Hello, everybody. This is Keith, Music Man, Hanalek with Danny John. And he is down under in Australia. And most recently, I covered a uh, track that he put out, and he had Derek Sherinian uh, playing keyboards. Um, the band is called Fusion the Mafioso, and the song was Fall from Grace. And I really enjoyed that. So I thought it was time we had a talk with Danny and learned a little about his, uh, his background and some of the music he's made over the years. Hi, Danny. How you doing, everyone? Hey, Keith. Thanks so much for uh, having me on and having a chat. My pleasure, sir. So, um, I'm sure there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, we try to keep it around 30 minutes at the most because I think you lose your listenership after that. So, uh, <laughs> we'll get as much as we can in here. Um, Beauty. How did this whole uh, Fusion Mafioso thing start, and how did you get Derek Sherinian in on that? Yeah, so Fusion Mafioso, it's just, it was a little concept. Uh, I've been uh, recording my music as, like, a, I guess, a guitar player, solo artist, if that's the term, since 2006. I uh, put out my first album in 2006 under my own name, Danny John, and then uh, I did uh, two more albums, uh, as Danny John Trio. Uh, anyone can check them out. You can actually actually just type my name in Google, uh, Danny John Guitar, Danny John Music, and you can check those out. They're available on uh, iTunes, etc. You know, all the Spotify, all the platforms. Uh, How Fusion Mafiosi came about is I, we we did a tour of the states in 2015, which was just awesome. It was fantastic. And after that, we kind of, I think we got a bit of burnout. So we started doing um, a jazz uh, band just to get, you know, more, more live gigs because the music itself is pretty out there. And we thought, well, you know, there's not, it's not a huge audience for fusion rock, jazz, shred guitar. You don't, you don't get five gigs a week playing that. So we put together this really uh, cool, yeah, we put together what we thought was a really cool jazz uh, band and we'd play some insane stuff like Coltrane, Herbie Hancock, you know, seventies Headhunters, all that kind of stuff. Tribal Tech, um, you know, really insane fusion uh, uh, music. And um, we called the band Fusion Mafiosi, and we'd invite people to come in and play and so on and so forth. And then, uh, you know, in about 2018, I started writing this new material, and I thought to, I said to the guys, look. This is more than just rock guitar shred. I've got all these visions, musical visions of, you know, uh, cello and keyboard and what have you. Um, and then, you know, when it started taking shape, uh, I remember seeing, uh, well, I'll, t I'll get to Derek in a bit, but, uh, in how, I, how I know him, but um, I saw him on Instagram post a guitar, uh, post a version of uh, Spanish Fly, an Eddie Van Halen guitar solo, and I'm a, like massive, probably the most massive diehard Eddie Van Halen fan you'll ever meet. I know everybody likes to say that, but believe me, I am. <laughs> um, and uh, I just, I just started chatting with him on that, and I sent him a video of me playing the live without a net guitar solo. And I sent him that video, and we started chatting. And I said to him, "Man, I don't know if you remember me, but I went to MI in Hollywood Musicians Institute, and I met you there." 20 years ago 23 years oh, ago wow. and he was like yeah and he said wow really and i said yeah man you signed my guitar and i sent him the picture of that guitar and i said this is you this is me standing next to each other this is that guitar so we just 
started chatting and uh, this is on Instagram of all places, right? So not even like a, a platform that I, I, I guess many people really chat on. Um, right. And then he just said, yeah, he just said to me, man, are you doing anything right now? And I said, yeah, funny you should say that I am. And uh, that was, so then we, you know, six months later, we, because <laughs> of COVID and all this stuff, right? Everything got, you know, travel restrictions, this, that, and whatever. Um, we couldn't even rehearse. So it took us about six months to get anything recorded for Fall From Grace, you know, the song. And then we just sent the rough tracks over to him and he said, mate, I love this. And he just started posting it on his Instagram, all his little uh, sort of uh, take one, take two, take three of his solos that he was doing, um, that he was uh, playing around with, with the ideas. And that's how it came about. So, you know, he just ended up playing um on the track and then i said look this is just one track we've got more tracks coming out we're just doing the release one by one because it just makes sense with the way the music industry i think is structured or going these, these days nobody's really putting out albums they're just putting out tracks they're just dropping beats you know so he's like yeah i'm totally down i'll do it and then i thought you know what it's fusion mafiosi that's it we've got we've got someone else involved we're going to get other people involved i got my buddy justin DeFries from portland who i went to musician institute with Amazing guitar player. He actually plays the first guitar solo. Uh, if you listen to the song, it, it, it's the first guitar solo that comes in uh, after the music, the melody stop. He comes in, he takes, goes for about two minutes and 40 seconds. He did the whole thing in one take. So <laughs> when it came time for me to record my guitar solo, I had Justin DeFries' blazing guitar solo, then Derek Sheridan's blazing keyboard solo, and I said to the guys, you're going to have to give me a week. I have to write something now because these guys are killing me. <laughs> so, so I, just, I was like, I am not recording one take. Because all our albums that we did in the past, we recorded one take in the studio live. And that's the essence of Danny John Trio. It's live shred, you know, one take, maybe one or two overdubs. But this just ended up being this beautifully orchestrated uh, you know, piece of music. And yeah, I did, man. I took a week and a half because... These guys are just blazing on this song. As you can imagine, uh, Derek Sreenan and Justin DeFries uh, just shredding. And uh, so I finally did my, did my solo. And I'll tell you something, man, which is a little aside. I have a number of, speaking of Eddie Van Halen, I have a number of coincidences uh, with the Van Halen family, uh, if you believe it or not. Uh, my family moved to Australia on Eddie Van Halen's birthday, 26th of January. And uh, OU812 was released on my birthday, May 24th. And hmm. the song, Fall From Grace, was released on the 4th of October, very sadly, two days before Eddie passed. But also I found out last week, that's the day Eruption was recorded. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. So that's well, pretty much the history of that, man. Got a connection there to Eddie, that's for sure. And, you know... <laughs> Man, you know, you know how to play the guitar if you're keeping up with guys like Sherinian, you know, I mean, and that, that song is long, but it's great. It's got a lot of changes. It's, you know, I love jazz rock fusion. Absolutely love it. And actually, um, I turned on to it back in my Navy days in the 80s. Somebody handed me uh, an Al Miola, I think it was Electric Rendezvous, and I listened to that yeah. and I went, holy shit, this stuff's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't yeah, get enough it's of It's fantastic. You know? So how long have you been playing guitar? 
Yeah, man. So, you know, like uh, I picked my, I, I got a, a, a guitar, like an old cheap classical guitar when I was eight for my birthday, right? So my dad gave me this guitar. Music's been in my family forever, man. My, uh, if you go back a hundred years, you know, one of my distant uh, grand uncles was a, was a composer and he composed music for the King George or something when, he, when they went to India, you know, and my uncle yeah. is a recording artist. And so I've just been surrounded by music my whole life. And then when I was eight, my dad got me this guitar and I, he basically bought the guitar and threw a book and he said, that's music, go learn it, play it if you want, don't play it if you don't want. And it pretty much, you know, sat in my, in my closet for two years. And then one day in school, uh, we had music class and they put on this video of Gary Moore. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. <laughs> and yeah, man. And then two months later, um, I saw the video for Panama and I was like, that's it. That's definitely it. That's what I'm going to do. I took it. I bought, uh, I took my dad's black electrical tape and white electrical tape and strapped my little classical guitar up with black and white stripes. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the be- that was the beginning, man. I removed the bridge from the guitar and put a little paintbrush under it, so it was my pretend whammy bar. And <laughs> that, that's that's it, dude. And then uh, my parents saw me just you know trying to jam along to this uh, Iron Maiden, Van Halen, ACDC, obviously ACDC, Australian band, amazing band. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's what I grew up listening to. And, of course, Van Halen, I just ran out and bought every CD. Uh, sorry, back then it was vinyl. Uh, bought every vinyl and cassette I could. And I think the third album I bought was uh, Van Halen 1. And, of course, you know, just like everybody else in the world, the second song came on and it just changed my life. I was like, okay, uh, this, this, it's going to be a little bit more than learning A chord, D chord, G chord. So that's where it all started, and I just learned pretty much with a cassette player. I would just fast forward, rewind, you know, five notes at a time, six notes at a time, and just learn every single guitar solo, every single guitar part. What are we now? Nearly 40 years later, or 36 years later, and I can still play all those songs. I don't play rock and roll anymore, as you can, if you listen to my musical, you'll see it's taken a different... Uh, different direction, but I still remember all those songs, you know, the Sin Lizzy, Gary Moore, ACDC, all that stuff. So I've been playing for a long time, and then I think I started playing on stage when I was like 15 or 16. You know, a bunch of guys in high school get together. You know, we used to do White Snake, we used to do uh, Gary Moore, Van Halen, we should try and do Van Halen, and uh, that was it. Um, and then I just said to my parents, okay, I just want to play music, so I just got on a, pl- I literally got on a plane because all my family's in the States, right? All my family's in America. Uh, just oh. my parents and me here. And yeah, so I just, I just said to my mom, I just want to play music. I'm just going to go to Hollywood. And I just got on a plane and uh, went to LA and applied to Musicians Institute and got in. That was it, man. And um, so I wow. met a bunch of amazing musicians. A lot of them are pretty, pretty famous, you know, cats now. And, uh, you know, whether they're, you know, Japanese or Swedish or American. So it, it was just the best time of my life. So I think, you know, even playing 10 years prior to that didn't, didn't really prepare me for just being in Hollywood at that time amongst those sorts of guys. You know, meeting guys like Steve Lucas, Derek Sherinian, Billy Sheehan, Mike Stern. I studied with Mike Stern, Scott Henderson, Brett Garsett, 
so yeah, dude, it was like, I don't know, if, you, if you're an actor, it'd be like, you know, coming to Hollywood, being a waitress for two years, and then uh, just landing on the right set at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Musician Institute is, would you say that's the equal to the Berkeley School of Music here on the West Coast, where I'm at? I mean, the East Coast. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. man. I know where, yeah. I Look, uh, Berkeley was actually the first school I applied for, and they sort of wrote back to me and said, you know, oh, we're, yeah, we 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 don't know if we want you. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, at the time, Berkeley to me was like the pinnacle. But so MI has a different Musician Institute has a different vibe. Okay, so Berkeley is pretty traditional. They they you know they got the Juilliards and stuff to compete with. So they're pretty you know, or at least back then they were pretty. Uh, I guess you know, uh, uh, traditionalist, right? Whereas the Musician Institute has always been a school about getting people into the industry. Plus, it's in Hollywood, so, you know, all the record companies are there. Um, so the, the the outlook for Musicians Institute was always different. It was always, you know, sticking auditions up on the notice boards, you know, getting the really talented students in front of record companies as soon as possible because the more people they churned out that are famous, the big, the, the, big, the higher the, 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 the credibility of the school is, right? So... Right. If you know Musicians right. Institute, yeah, you'll know a lot of famous people went there. Paul Gilbert went there. Frank Abali went there. Scott Henderson still teaches there. Brett Garford. Um, Mike Stern has a long history with Musicians Institute. All these guys, man, they just come in there all the time. Dennis Chambers. I'm talking about the jazz guys now, right? Dennis oh, Chambers, yeah. Will Lee. Yeah. yeah, all the monsters. Uh, Eddie Van Halen actually did a concert there and a clinic there with Alan Holdsworth in 83. Steve Vai's been through there about a million times so it's a different vibe but you know if you're a kid 18 and you're just walking down the corridors of this school and you walk past steve Vai and guys like that john petrucci that's where you want to be right that's where you want to be you don't want to be sitting in a classroom uh talking about uh uh non-resolving dominance and and scale choices you want to be hanging out with the with the people so uh that's that's the kind of school it is have you heard petrucci's new album his solo album I have not, and uh, what did you say to me before? If you don't want to say something, don't say. <laughs> Dream Theater, I've got to be honest with you, man. You listen to my music, it's, there's a lot of odd music. There's, no four, there's hardly any 4-4 four four in my music, and Dream Theater is a massive inspiration to me, but uh, you know, some aspects of that band are more inspirational than other aspects, let's put it that way. I hear you. I've seen them, like, I think, like <laughs> nine times. And I ended up uh, yeah. befriending Jordan Rudis, and he would get me backstage. And it was a great Fantastic. time of my life to go through all that. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, he's he's one busy guy. They all are. They're, they're really good people down oh, yeah. to earth, you know. So yeah, sure. thinking about your music, so, you know, this is the final on vinyl, and I want to get vinyl and review your whole album. When do you expect that to come out? Yeah, so good question, man. So we are now in the process. You know, there's a lot of limitations. One of them is recording with guys overseas. So that we're, we're going to be recording with uh, friends of mine in Sweden. Uh, obviously, Derek, again, going to do some stuff, uh, you know, all, all, all things going well. We, my, I, I haven't said this, but my drummer doesn't live in the same city as my bass player and me. So we've always got these kinds of challenges. So that being said... Uh, we are going to record the drums for the next two songs in December. 
So hopefully by the end of January 2021, uh, if it isn't a, if it isn't you know a, a 2021 turning out to be a kind of year that says to 2020 hold my beer, let's see how we can really fuck it up. Uh, we'll hopefully have this thing recorded by the end of January. Two more songs, and then we've got you know down the track we're going to give it a bit of space and record a few more songs later. But uh, my hope is to um, you know, do, do do these next two songs, get them out, put this one out on vinyl as well. So, man, by March, April next year, we should have at least four or five songs out. So you want to release an EP, but actually it would be like an album as far as length for if they're really long songs yeah. like uh, last one, right? So Yeah, exactly. Oh, great. Well, I hope you're able to get me the LP if it doesn't cost you a bloody fortune to send it to me. Oh no, I'll get it to you, mate. It's it's definitely definitely um, not a problem there. It's just a matter of getting these next two songs. Uh, incidentally, these next two songs are, are are a little bit different to that. And you know, given the recent tragic news, um, I actually had this really rocky, progressive, very dream theaterish kind of vibe song written. And uh, but then I realised it's just got all these Van Halen elements to it. So we're actually going to call that song "Boy from Pasadena," and it's a complete dedication to the king himself. So. I'm very keen on getting that recorded as soon as possible and released. Yeah, that first album, you can't touch it. I mean, it's kind of like the first Boston album. How do you top it, really? Yeah, yeah. It changed the world, man. It changed the world. So, yeah. They put out a lot of great music, but that's my favorite, no doubt, that very first album. Yeah, there's so So, much energy, so much young exuberance. Yeah. Sorry, after you. Well, I was just wondering... You know, the, your rela- relaxation time, if you actually have that, um, do you listen to music? And if so, what kind? Is it something totally different than what you're inspired by, just to experiment? Or do you have some favorites? That's a great question. So, you know, being the guitar player, us, us guitar players, when we grow up, we just want to listen to guitar music. We just want to hear our, our guitar heroes and whatever, even if you're a jazz guy or, you know, whatever. Uh, I think about 10 years ago, I started thinking to myself, I, I basically stopped listening to music about 10 years ago. Um, other people's music, I should say. Um, and I just, uh, because I just thought to myself, man, you're just listening to guitar players. All you do is listen to guitar players. You need to get some, you know, different perspectives on life and musical life. So I think about 10 years ago, I, I just started listening to horn players a lot more. Um, you know, Michael Brecker, John Coltrane, of course, I've always listened to Coltrane, but more intently and uh keyboard players because uh you know when i uh went to mi i had good fortune of studying with some great guys jazz guys and frank and Bali really became uh as far as playing and, and harmony is concerned uh, my major influence for the last 20 years so i i learned that frank really liked listening to keyboard players because that's how he you know that's how he got derived his harmony uh when he was writing stuff and he used to often write his melodies on piano so I really got into keyboard players like Herbie Hancock, especially Herbie Hancock, and a uh, number of other guys like, you know, uh, Dave Grusin I got back into, uh, guys that, that were lesser known whose, whose melodic styles I really liked, um, Bill Evans, these sorts of guys. And then from the, sax, from the saxophone fold, you know, the, Bre- the Michael Brecker and his brother Randy. And um, so for the last 10 years, I've just been really listening to guys like that, but always definitely you know jazz or jazz fusion or jazz rock guys so yeah man i don't i don't listen to guitar players um i think in the last 
five weeks is the most I've listened to guitar players in the last 10 years since Eddie, Eddie Van Halen died um, is when I've just picked up all the old guitar rock out. I guess I've been reminiscing, but yeah, for the last 10 years, just listening to other stuff, not stuff like world music and, 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 you know, folk music, just jazz, heavy shredding stuff, but just other instruments. Now, Frank Gavali played with Chick Corea, right? That's correct, yeah. Right, so I saw He's him. also Australian. Yeah, I didn't know that. See, I remember... He's you're from just, my hometown. <laughs> okay. Well, you're, yeah. uh, you're striking uh, the memory cords in my brain here. I went to the 1985 Concord Jazz Festival out in California before I moved back to the yeah. East Coast, and Chick Corea was one of the acts. And I remember Frank coming out in this, like, silver jumpsuit and wailing away <laughs> yeah. in the guitar. Yeah, yeah, really, really great stuff. Well, Frank, Frank and Bali is a graduate of Musicians Institute. He graduated there in 1982 or 83 when he was 21, and they gave him a teaching job straight away. And I think within a year, Chick saw him playing somewhere, and he said, come and audition, and he just got the gig straight away. Because um, obviously, like for me, there's, three, there's, there's, there's two guitar players above anyone else, and of course, I'm going to cop flack for it, but... For me, there's Eddie Van Halen and there's Frank Gambale. And then there's uh, distant, not so distant third is Ingve Malmsteen. So those three guys for me just changed music forever. You know, one, guitar music, two, jazz and rock. So, um, yeah, so for me, Frank and uh, Ed were my two big influences. But from a musical perspective, definitely Frank. I mean, you don't, you don't push the boundaries anywhere near what that guy does on guitar. Nobody can. And you got your shredding influence from Ingve, probably, right? He does a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those three guys are like it for me, man. I <laughs> uh, love it. You know, for me, it's about the energy. You know, it's about the energy. I love Eric Clapton. He doesn't play fast, but if you get my, the hairs on my arms standing up, then you got my attention forever, you know? <laughs> so... Is music been good to you? Do you actually make a living from it, or is it just something that you're passionate about and do on the side and have a day job like a lot of the indie folks? Yeah, well, look, man, it's it's I make I can't say a living because um, you know it's very difficult nowadays. But uh, so yeah, I, ha I have other things I do. Plus, you know, it, the kind of music I play, it's never you know, Madonna's not going to ring me up. Lady Gaga's not going to ring me up to play guitar on her album. Let's put it that way. So, you know, I just do it. I just do it for, for the art. You know, um, I, I have a day job. It allows me to play the music. You know, I have a day job that I'm very happy about. And the other thing with the music for me is, you know, when I was in my 20s, that's what I was doing. I was playing with other people, making, you know, making money on, making money for them. You know what I mean? And gotcha. uh, I just always, yeah, I just always had it in my head that you know what, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a pop guy, I'm not a side man, you know. There's already an Ingve, there's already a Eddie Van Halen, there's already a um, you know Steve Vai. My music's different. It's I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do what I do, and if that means I'm going to put out an album and ten people are going to hear it, so be it. If I put it out and somebody you know, that being said, man, in our last uh, uh, album we did in 2011, which you guys actually reviewed way back in the day, um, Mr. Twister, that actually charted um, on the 
UK jazz charts for like six months in the top 50. But, you know, I found that out years later. But, you know, uh, it, that's, not what, that's not what it's about for me. And uh, the last album I did, um, Tres Bandidos, we, uh, we got up to number seven on the US charts. So, oh, wow. you know, uh, yeah, it's not about that for me. It's, you know, that's nice. But, you know, if uh, once I'm gone, my kids are in their 50s and they go, yeah, my dad made that, I'll be happy. <laughs> well, bottom line is you do it for you. And it's your, it's, your, it's your place that you go where you feel creative and whole and it, it continues to inspire you. And that's how I feel about writing and listening to music and trying to get it out there to people. You know, I feel the same way. It's just a different way of expressing myself instead of picking up a guitar or playing a keyboard or whatever, you know. So Yeah, get 100%. You. 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, Danny, and uh, I appreciate you get up in the wee hours of the morning down there in Australia. <laughs> and, yeah, thanks uh, so much, mate. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for uh, reaching out and asking me to have a chat with you. Uh, hopefully, we'll have many more chats, and hopefully, you'll get to listen to much. Well, not hopefully, you'll definitely get to listen to much more of my stuff. And um, yeah, again, thanks heaps, mate. It was my pleasure. Oh, my pleasure too. So, everybody, if you're listening, check out Fusion Mafiosi. I said Mafioso before. It's Fusion Mafiosi. Yeah. All from Grace. It's actually on one of my sites called RateTheTracks.com. Um, but this is the final on vinyl, and I look forward to listening to the vinyl when it comes out for Danny John and his band. Uh, probably spring next year, around that time, March, uh, that time slot, right, Danny? That's correct, yes. All right. Well, I'll sign off, and uh, we'll get this posted today so everybody can listen to the interview, okay? Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Keith. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.